0: We are called to live in the world but not be of the world. One way we can do that is by recognizing the horrible realities mankind faces while we still maintain a vision of what the world should be. We also need to do what we can to make that vision a reality. And one of the best ways to do that is by accepting one another the way Jesus loved and accepted us. During Advent, We're not just preparing for the baby Jesus. We're preparing for Jesus's entire life and ministry and all the hope and challenge that comes with it. Welcome to The Real Word Podcast for the second Sunday in Advent, Cycle A, of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you. But you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else. And that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the second Sunday in Advent, Cycle A. Our first reading is from Isaiah, it's chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Our second reading is from Romans, it's chapter 15, verses 4 through 9. And our Gospel reading is from Matthew, it's chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Isaiah is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Romans is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Tonight, we'll see that righteousness makes a good belt, old writings bring new hope, and you really don't want to be the chaff. Okay, so let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find our first reading is from the prophet isaiah a shoot will come up from the stump of jesse from his roots a branch will bear fruit the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the lord and he will delight in the fear of the lord The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia. From Hamath and from the islands of the Mediterranean. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. And our gospel reading is from Matthew. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath?' Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah. And and the first thing to know about our first reading is that it's from a part of the book of Isaiah we often call the Emmanuel prophecy. We read it during Advent because in the reading, the prophet is, Predicting someone new and exciting coming from uh, what he calls the, the stump of the family of Jesse. Now, Jesse was the father of David, and, and God had promised him a son who would become an everlasting king, um, so the, or offspring that would become an everlasting king. So the, the shoot from the stump, the, the offspring to come, would end up being something or someone extraordinary. So Isaiah went on to describe this radical vision of what the world would be like when the love of God covers everything like water on the ocean, right? Of course, it, it's this utopian world vision that can actually cause people to look at this reading and sort of write it off as some silly prediction that will never come true. And you know, I have to admit, no matter how peaceful the world might get, yeah, I'm not going to let my boys play with a a rattlesnake or a cobra or whatever, right? But that's not the point, is it? The the point is that we don't know for sure what the Lord has in store for all of us or for this world. But we have to imagine a, a radically different world. According to Isaiah, when the Messiah comes, he will be concerned with the poor and with justice and, you know, he won't just judge us by what can be seen on the outside because he'll be able to see us as we really are this this shoot from the stump of Jesse our savior will be someone and something far greater than we can imagine so if we want to be true disciples of that savior true disciples of Jesus Christ then we'll need a we'll need to dream a bigger dream than we have ever dreamed before. And so, so the main message, I guess, I got from our first reading is that we are called to have an amazing vision for the world. It's easy to get discouraged. It's, it's easy to look around the world, to, to look at the pandemic and the, the problems with climate change and ongoing military conflicts, the, the hunger and poverty and violence and hate and get so discouraged that we sort of dramatically lower our expectations. And we talk about building the kingdom on earth, eh, while we kind of silently accept that things will remain horrible until Judgment Day. It's a big challenge, but we can't fall victim to that. As Christians, we are called to have an amazing vision for the world. Our second reading was from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And, and in it, Paul told the Christian community in Rome that they should look to everything written in Scripture. And to us, that's the Old Testament. You know, uh, Everything they, that they knew was written in Scripture. Paul said that all of that was supposed to teach us and encourage us and give us hope. And they also prayed that God would give them what they would need. Uh, to be able to to take on the same attitude as Christ. Yes, they should glorify God the the same way that Jesus glorified the Father. But the message for them and for us was more than that. And St. Paul said, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So think about that for a moment. Accepting one another brings praise to God. Not judging one another, not condemning one another, not not demanding that others change, not threatening to withhold the sacrament of the Eucharist, not publishing catechetical statements that malign entire groups of people using bad science and discredited psychological theories. No, none of that. Accepting one another brings praise to God. So, surprise, surprise, the main message I got from our second reading is that accepting one another brings praise to God. We don't need to prove how righteous we are by showing how horrible everyone else is. Jesus Christ brought a message of love and radical acceptance to the world, so it should be pretty obvious that accepting one another brings praise to God. And finally, our gospel reading was from Matthew, and this reading really demonstrates how John the Baptist didn't tiptoe around anything. That guy had a difficult message to share, but he wasn't about to sugarcoat it. He told everyone to repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Of course, Matthew explains that John's preaching was the fulfillment of something Isaiah had prophesied about when Isaiah talked about a voice of one calling in the wilderness. So by connecting to the words of Isaiah like this, matthew was he was establishing the the legitimacy of Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the whole thing about wearing clothes made of camel's hair and all of that stuff it probably seems pretty strange to us but it's likely that Matthew's audience would have known that John looked and acted an awful lot lot like uh, Elijah, who's one of the other Old Testament prophets. And they would have known that Elijah also preached repentance of sins. So, So this reading does a nice job of connecting John, John the Baptist, to the Old Testament, and then demonstrating how he was a bridge to what came next, basically a, a bridge from the old covenant to the new. So so John baptizes people who confess their sins and, and a ton of people were, were going out to see him and to be baptized. But when some Pharisees and Sadducees showed up to get baptized, he wouldn't do it. He told them they have to be sincere and they have to truly repent. The fact that they're sons of Abraham didn't give them a free pass. Their their family tree didn't protect them from the evil that that they held in their hearts. We understand that today, or we should, because our Christian baptism is a sign of conversion. We can't just go through the motions. We, We need to have a true conversion of heart. The reading ended with John pointing to one far, far greater than I who was coming. But if you recall, he didn't describe a baby in the manger. He described a savior who was born in a filthy barn, spent his time with tax collectors and sinners, and and died a shameful death on a cross. Uh, A rosy-cheeked baby doesn't burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. (laughs) As beautiful as the manger scene on your mantle might be, John is challenging us to prepare for the fullness of Christ. He's challenging us to prepare for the one who will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we must prepare for Jesus's entire life and ministry. Getting ready for a cute little baby to show up is kind of easy and fun. And yes, Christmas and the incarnational moment that we celebrate should be truly joyful. But let's not forget the reality of Advent. This is a time when we should reflect on our sins and truly repent. Because we must prepare for Jesus's entire life and ministry. All right, so let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, the main message I came away with was, we are called to have an amazing vision for the world. In our second reading from Romans, the main message I got was, accepting one another brings praise to God. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, we must prepare for Jesus's entire life and ministry. As Christians, we are called to live... In the world, uh, but not be of the world. And one way we can do that is by recognizing the horrible realities that mankind faces while maintaining this amazing vision of what the world really should be. But having a vision isn't enough. We also need to do what we can to make that vision a reality. And one of the best ways to do that is by accepting one another the same way that Jesus loved and accepted us. That's a challenge we should face during Advent, because we're not just preparing for the coming of the baby Jesus. We're preparing for his entire life and ministry and all the hope and challenge that comes with it. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I try to answer two questions. So what and now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because we don't want to be like the Pharisees and Sadducees. We don't want to just go through the motions. But in order to truly prepare, we need to have a better idea of what that entails. It's not enough to say we need to truly repent. That's true, but that's what we need to do. It doesn't tell us how to do it. We should care about this because too many other Christians really don't have a clue about what Advent really means and what we're really preparing for. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, before we can truly repent, I think we need to figure out where we're going astray. And I think St. Paul gave us a big clue on that one. So with that in mind, here's your real question for the week. Where am I not truly accepting others? To bring praise to the Lord, we need to accept others. So doing the opposite can't be good. And no matter how accepting we think we are, all of us, every single one of us, has people we don't accept. People, we just kind of judge and condemn. So if you're looking for something to repent about, ask yourself, where am I not truly accepting others? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're thinking about this idea of accepting others, remember what Jesus told us in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You don't have to believe me. St. Paul said it, and Jesus said it too. Stop judging others and start accepting them. That's how we bring praise to the Lord. All right. We've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Just spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word podcast is brought to you by the Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and the Real Values Framework. Real stands for Respect, Engage, Accept, and Lead. For more information on the Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984. In 2011, by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.